I, uh, I searched the woods, and, but he wasn't, there was nothing. They took him. Hey, yo, what's going on, friends? Welcome back to another amazing, fun, hilarious, and thrilling episode of In Madness Pod, episode 24. It's Sean the Butcher here with Vertebrae 33. How's it going? I'm doing good, Sean. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little nervous, actually, uh -oh. because uh -oh. we have we have a situation uh, which we don't have often, but is always one of my favorite situations, uh, me putting you on to a brand spanking new movie that I wouldn't call spanking new. It's now uh, 30 years old, a little over 30 years old. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I am a little nervous because I don't know how any of this is going to go. We might have another Lucy situation on our hands. Except. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, upon watching this film, I realized I did see one part of this film. Oh, of course. Uh, who hasn't? Yeah. But it's like not, The Exorcist. But not the entire film. But yeah, I okay. did see that part. Okay, well, like, oh, okay, it's this, this movie, is, and then it all started kind of coming together. If you have a question, a comment about any of our movies we have done over the past year plus, we are on the socials at In Madness Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Hit us in the mail sack, directly in the mail sack, <laughs> inmadnesspod at gmail.com. We will be reading your emails on air once the sack grows to its fullest capacity. We will release some of your emails into the world. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube and smash that five-star review as hard as you can. Make For sure YouTube followers, see? You yeah. can see my Vertebrae 33 well, mug. Look yeah, at that. Look I at love uh, can i have a request can there be a new mug for every episode yes yeah. absolutely because i know yeah, you man. have an i, I want to see how many mugs we get till we hit the it's beginning the of here's the problem we're going to hit a point where it's just like 60 star wars mugs in a row and you're going to be like so i'll have to mix them up so we'll do yeah. maybe every other week we'll do one star wars and then off and then whatever but uh yeah i have tons i mean i get them everywhere i go like i i get them you know if I see a lighthouse, I buy a mug. If I, I uh, go on vacation, I buy a mug. Vertebrae's mug fetish is one of my favorite <laughs> things ever. Make sure you smash that five-star review. We want to move up these fan, phantom charts, whatever the hell they are. Uh, subscribe to the In Madness Spotify playlist. We have so much great music on there. Everything that we talk about on the show, stuff that has been uh, influenced by the movies that we talk about. Happy In Madness Monday. If you are listening on In Madness Monday, a new episode of the show drops every single Monday in case you are new here. Maybe you learned from a friend about us. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. And uh, tell your friends about this show spread the madness worldwide we want as many people watching these crazy ass twisted ass traumatic life-changing movies as humanly possible we want everybody in on the conversation but uh for now i love talking to vertebrae about these uh twisted <laughs> movies yeah i'm excited to i'm 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 super excited to talk about this uh we're going to try to split it up as best we can and kind of get into some theories and personal thoughts on it. Um, 
but I'm I'm kind of excited to to jump right in. We gave a great hint. Did anyone guess it right, Sean? Uh, oh, oh, I don't know because as of the taping of this episode, we haven't released the episode where we gave the hint. Oh, so. I just gave away the whole thing. We're in the future, but uh-huh. in the past, yeah. so yeah. we're Terminator yeah. right now. We we recorded this episode in 2015. No, I'm just oh, no. we did not. We did not. We're current. We're pretty close to current. I for, I forgot. I didn't even know what day of the week it was. Because you say Monday, and I feel like we're recording it on Monday, but we're not no, recording it on Monday. No. All right. What? Uh, Have at it. This is ep- episode 24. 24. Sean, we are inching closer to episode 33. And I and I feel like we should do something special for episode 33. Yes. I like where your head is. I like where your, yeah. where your mind's at. Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to think about it. House party. Party in your house. Yeah. <laughs> Pod party. I'll bring the cheese balls. <sighs> That's awesome. Like a big tub from Costco. Fantastic. The Utz cheese. Oh, those are my favorite. Oh, the Utz? So you don't go, what was the original? They weren't the original. What was the oh, original? I don't know. Whoever, whichever one comes in the big fish bowl size thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm partial to the party mix. It's also so good. Sometimes I make my own party mix. You ever do that? Just kind of grab random, take some pretzels, take some popcorn, take so some burritos. The fat ass in me, at, well, instead of mixing it all together, I just line up the three bags and I do a handful, a handful, and a handful, and I just shove them all in my mouth. Uh, like well, you're not sharing then, right? Yeah. No, yeah, no. no, I'm sharing. So if you share, I don't think that method works. <laughs> the handful method might not work as good, but it could. I don't know. But uh, all right, we're doing. Well, I don't want to get in trouble by somebody on YouTube saying we talk too much or whatever that person said. Too much shite in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, they probably tuned out <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> That's the best review we ever got. Uh, we're doing fire in the sky. Now oh, shut up. Go ahead. No, no, finish. I no, cut no. You off. we did it. We did it great in the in the episode prior to yeah. this. And you I love that you didn't want to sing and then you sang with me anyway. So I appreciate that. Thank and you, you know what? I'm gonna tell you this. I, I I I don't care if that person thinks there's too much shine to be. I'm gonna tell you this anyway. But you know, that's like smoke on the water is like the song that everybody tries to learn when they learn how to play guitar. And um, I once a long time ago did artwork for BC Rich electric guitars for the body of the guitar. So I own three electric guitars and I was like, that's it. I'm going to learn how to play guitar. And like, I didn't get past smoke on the water. That was it. I was very proud of that until I realized that just every single person in the world could do that. So you probably train your cat to play smoke on the water. But um, this movie, Fire in the Sky, released March 12th, 1993, Paramount Pictures biographical science fiction mystery film is what they listed as directed by Robert Lieberman who worked on season one of the X-Files and you could see a lot of that here the expanse uh, which was a pretty awesome uh, science fiction TV show the dead zone and and mighty ducks three which I just had to throw in there because I thought that was funny special effects coordinated by ILM soundtrack i don't think there's a vinyl composed by mark isham um he worked on a bunch of films uh, a bunch of tv shows like black mirror tons of documentaries he also worked on interestingly enough the uh soundtracks for the remake of fame and dirty dancing which is kind of crazy um and this this comes out march 12 1993 and x-files comes out september 
1993. So just remember that as we go through it. This is based on a book by Travis Walton called The Walton Experience. And I never read the book. I tried to find the book for this, Sean, and I could not find it. It's it's out of print. Um, so I tried. I was hoping to find it. Uh, if they didn't have it on Audible, I was at least I was going to try to purchase it and read it as quickly as I could, but uh, wasn't wasn't able to get it. I'm sure there's probably PDFs or something of it on, online somewhere. But cast uh, DB Sweeney as Travis Walton. Uh, Robert Patrick is Mike Rogers. James Garner is Lieutenant Frank Waters. Craig Sheffer is Alan Alan Dallas. Peter Berg is David Whitlock. Henry Thomas is Greg Hayes. Bradley Greg, Greg as Bobby Cogdill. Kathleen Willowit. I'm ruining all these names. Is Katie Rogers. Geor- Georgia Emelin as Dana Rogers. Scott McDonald as Dan Walton. And then we get the Sheriff Blake Davis played by Noble willing willingham um this movie comes out it grossed 19.9 million domestically on a 15 million dollar budget so i guess in that case probably not a big hit but known for by a lot of people and we'll get to what it's known for um i don't know do we let's just get into the movie and we can kind of talk about some stuff from the book as we go along with the movie that makes sense um so i mean so but this was your first time watching the movie in full this was my first time sitting down watching the movie in full i did not realize that i had seen the scene in question until i got to that scene and even right away i didn't realize it and then i kind of it all started uh much like our lead character Travis Walton, it all started rushing back to me at once. I did not crawl under a table in a ball when it did, but then I realized, oh man, I, I've seen this. I've actually probably seen this a couple times. And when we get to it, I can get into why I think I saw it a few times and at the time period that it came out and stuff. But I had never seen the beginning part and I had never clearly connected the name of the movie. So when you said it, I'm like, oh, I never saw that movie. I didn't recognize the poster. Uh, but here I had seen the most famous and dare we say iconic scenes. Life altering, changing. Listen, okay. I have a little <laughs> rant before we go on. Okay. Like okay. this, this movie, I don't know your thoughts on it. I don't want to know your thoughts on it yet. Uh, this movie holds a very special place in my heart because this film horrified me since i was 10 years old for multiple Mm -hmm. reasons first off something that you haven't mentioned yet that was mentioned a lot and even though it's not a hundred percent accurate this is based on Mm -hmm. a true story okay now this came out in 93 so i'm 10 years old i don't know what grade you're in when you're in 10 years old what grade like how old is your kid what grade like what what's the grading like uh you're probably in like Fifth grade, maybe? So fifth grade. Okay. So this movie, I'm in fifth grade, is the talk of the friggin' town amongst mm. everybody when it came out. Mm. Uh, just them talking about it 
scared the shit out of me. It was like you were saying with The Exorcist, where people will just talk about it so much, even though like it never even had like just the hype about it scared the crap out of me. And this at this point, I'm in fifth grade. I'm obsessed with aliens. I had uh, alien books. Um, I was watching that show Sightings, which I brought up on our signs episode, not signs sightings was the name of the show i messed it up last time um but they would cover alien abductions and we would have sleepovers and just scare the crap out of each other with all these aliens and i remember i couldn't watch fire in the sky i was too afraid i remember renting it from blockbuster me and my mom we brought it home we watched it and i was so scared the whole time waiting for something to happen and i'll tell you the point because I remember it like it happened five minutes ago, the point where I got up and left the room and went into my bedroom to play Mortal Kombat on Genesis when I was 10 years old. <laughs> Man, um, I love I, it. I couldn't fully watch the movie till many years later and even on this date right now as I'm typing my notes for this movie as a 40-year-old grown-ass man, I still believe this is one of the most disturbing movies of all time and i feel definitely worthy to be in the in madness galaxy shall i say (laughs) um and yeah when it came out based on a true story i'm sorry uh this is 93 there's no goddamn wikipedia or twitter to just obliterate a story to pieces so myself i feel and maybe everyone else in 93 did indeed believe that this was based on a true story mm-hmm. um, but you know it's been 31 years and there's been a lot to come out we'll get into that i feel like later on right however i still love this movie and back in 93 uh and how it makes me feel now and let it be known even though things happen and statements are made directly in the movie that have you questioning what mm-hmm. you're trusting i still believe <laughs> even I if love it even if it's a foggy 10 foot mall alien video that i sent you a month ago i yeah. still i still believe yeah yeah i'm i'm with you good uh, okay I, I will say that there are two really scary parts in this movie there's the part that you're referring to and then there's everything else before that part <laughs> And that that's scary for another reason. And as as we go through the movie, we we can get into it. But uh, yeah, I I have some thoughts on what takes place before we reach the kind of ultimate scene of this film, and maybe the ultimate scene of this genre. I would say, alien abduction genre. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. Fire in the sky. I've been waiting a while for this movie. All right. The movie opens with a quote. Chance makes a plaything of a man's life. We see a dark road, light shining through the trees. You hear owls, creatures of the night. And there's this absolutely haunting, eerie music playing in the background. It just sounds like there's aliens coming. (laughs) It sets up the mute, the mood beautifully. The light seems to be growing brighter, brighter. The fog is heavy. At the bottom in the corner, it says, based on a true story. Are and you this kidding is when me? everybody's shook. Yeah. Well, you're shook um, right I'm, this, the movie, you're 10 seconds into the movie and you're freaking the hell out. I love <laughs> it. I, it is brilliantly set up. Shout out to X-Files, dude. Uh, we see the bright lights 
end up being a headlight of a pickup truck. The truck is flying. It's swerving. It's going over hills. It's breaking off mirrors. It's smashing into trees, almost collides with the truck, and it jets out in the road. Truck pulls up in bad shape. There's smoke coming out from under the hood in front of a bar. Across the screen, we see we're in the White Mountain, White Mountains, Arizona in 1975. Mm-hmm. There's two dudes outside the bar wondering what the hell's going on with these guys in the truck. Five men get out. They look to be in total shock. They're walking. I think like, this is to Sean. This is Snowflake, Arizona. I think it's called the town. Right. I have a funny. I have, I have a funny story about that when we get to it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. They're in Snowflake, Arizona, walking like zombies. They're completely senseless. They walk into the bar, and one of the men asks, "Hey, Mike, are you in a hurry?" And Mike walks right past him, says nothing, and goes into the bar. Small little dive spot. You can already tell it's a little quaint town. Everybody knows each other's business. Yeah, They're like, what's up with these guys? Maybe they're tired. They sit at a table. They all look stressed. A lady walks over and tells the kitchen's closed. And Mike, T-1000 from Terminator 2, mm-hmm. right? That's him. Yeah. yeah. He shoots yeah. her a look of complete distress. And he's like, get away from me. And he's he like, also has... The third scariest thing in this film, which is that haircut of his, that is, that is an abomination, that haircut that he's rocking in this movie. <laughs> he's got a, it's just a weird look. I, I assume that's his hair, but it looks a little bit like a wig at some points. I know, I think it's his hair, but particularly this scene with the hat sitting on top of it, it just looks like they, you know, had him grow a little bit of stubble out and then. But uh, he could have he's, you know, they're into logging, so he could have used some of those T2 knife hands to <laughs> chop up, chop up some of those logs. This is before he had those powers. <laughs> he looks like he's just seen something horrible. He tells the guys we're sticking to the story no matter how rough it gets. Mm-hmm which immediately is kind of a shady statement right off the bat, depending on what perspective you are looking at this movie from. One of their crews, like this young kid, Greg, he's in the corner, he's crying. Another man at the table says, go ahead, Mike, make the phone call. We're all with you. Which again, depending on what side of the story you're looking at, this is a shady statement to make. It's a reoccurring theme that happens in this movie. Yeah, because why, if y'all, if everyone saw it, it is what it is. So the, the movie tries to creep doubt into this immediately. Yeah. And, and, and kind of keep going with it throughout the movie all, all the way through to the end. Um, so that's, that's a cool aspect of this in that it, it is a, what did I say at the beginning? Like a science biographical science fiction mystery film. So we, they could have played it with just a straight like something happens and the guy's abducted, but they have this other and listen, I mean I understand it's based off of a true quote unquote true story and this is a biographical event, but um you know, I don't know who if it's based off of Travis Walton's books, which book which I've never read who's telling him this is what the guys said when they're in the bar. I think there's certainly a lot of liberties played with that. When we get to the scene, they kind of come out and say that they sort of, you know, Hollywoodize that completely. Um, but here we go. Mike takes a long walk to the payphone. The bartender laughs and says, working your boys late tonight. Mike just looks down. He closes his eyes annoyed because he's just witnessed something horrible and doesn't want to be bothered. But also about that quote, there's a side note 
in the end part of this series that I will get to later. So keep that in mind. Mike walks to the payphone, which is a rotary payphone, and uh, mm. dials 911. We see a cop in his car, big cowboy hat, John Wayne-looking motherfucker. This is Lieutenant Frank Waters. He picks up the radio. Something crazy happens. Immediately, mm. we see red lights like a UFO glaring off his windshield, and he squints his eyes to look, and you're like, here we go. We're like five minutes in the movie, and we got aliens. Uh, but it's a work because it's not a UFO. It's the damn train tracks closing so he can't cross the tracks. That was a fun little trick that they played there. That, Beautiful. That was cool. They got you um, having not only seen part of this movie up to there. I was like, oh, wow, this is about to happen really fast. And then when I watch it again, I'm like, oh, you're not going to get me again. But we get the incredible James Garner in this in this role. And he 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 does a pretty pretty fantastic job in this film picks up his radio he's told get to snowflake because the sheriff there is in way over his head frank's on his way everyone inside the bar is now outside the bar the cops are telling him leave nothing to see here and such and up pulls waters he's greeted by sheriff blake davis funny enough this guy who plays blake davis was also the boss of the miami dolphins in the movie ace ventura pet detective Oh, really? <laughs> even even funnier than that, uh, the movie Ace Ventura Pet Detective is about the uh, mascot of the uh, Miami Dolphins uh, being uh, kidnapped, and it's a uh, uh, dolphin, a porpoise, and uh, the porpoise's name is Snowflake. Oh, look at you. Are you in the gnarly bit game now, Sean? Honestly, I just love Ace Ventura. It's <laughs> one of my favorite movies. And the fact that this dude is also in this movie and also says Snowflake in this movie and Ace Ventura, I'm like, that's really friggin' weird. Yeah, uh, Sean's headed into this film with a porpoise. I mean, purpose. I mean... All right. <laughs> Dolphin jokes in madness. <laughs> Sheriff Davis is impressed with Lieutenant Waters' track record because he has no unsolved cases. Waters says it's just a myth, but it's a damn good one. He asks why he's here. Sheriff grabs him by the arm and leads him to the bar. We got a missing boy on our hands, Travis Walton. Got a missing person report by a man named Mike Rogers. Sheriff's known him a long time. He's a good guy. He runs a crew up in the forest for about a month. They have a government contract to clear out the brush this i will also address later in the yes pod. yeah and that i know about yep we find out the names of the other men besides mike rogers we got dave whitlock 26 local kid he's active in the church we got greg hayes 17 high school kid he's pretty shook up and i'm like why does this kid look familiar why do i know him turns out he's et uh he's elliot from et and i'm like yeah why? They got the alien kid in the alien movie. So mm. cool. No, he's they not. could have used they could have used Spielberg a little bit in the beginning of this film to juice it up. I, I I tell you, Sean, this the beginning parts after we first get this and we sort of roll into this little investigation thing, although Garner does a good job, it felt to me like it was like an after school special on the dangers of logging or something. <laughs> like a almost a made for tv movie in a way and it's interesting because 
they floor you in this film at one point and go way above and beyond. But we get, you know, it's 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 just interesting. It doesn't for some reason, and it's a Paramount film, it doesn't feel like a major studio film to me when I first start watching it. And then it does, and then it does later on. But this this feels it, it's a long buildup. Yes, and it feels a little like X Files without Mulder and Scully, kind of. Yeah. We got Roger Codgill joined the crew a week ago, and Alan Dallas, 25, a drifter. He's been with the crew for two weeks. A bad apple, if you ask me. He's got hell in his eyes. <laughs> Sheriff leans into Waters and says, I think you better hear this from the horse's mouth. And Waters goes, Lead me to the horse. Mm. Waters begins recording the men, and immediately Dallas is pissed off. What the hell's that thing for? Waters doesn't want any misinterpretations. There's a clear record of everything you tell us, and immediately Dallas is just giving crazy attitude. Waters is like, tell me about Travis. They were all best friends. Well, he was best friends with Mike. And now we cut to the after-school special part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. We got fun-loving Travis Walton riding his motorcycle through town. Uh, Mike is being woke up by his daughters. Travis almost sideswipes a car. People are leaning out of the store screaming, get that bike off the sidewalk. Everyone knows everyone in this town. A girl picks up some a bag with some donuts and leans out the shop, and Travis drives by and grabs the free donuts out of her hand. The cheesiest scene in the history of alien abduction films. By far, there's not one that's closer than this. Uh, this is the... I got Sean. I killed Sean. It's over. Uh, this is just... You couldn't get it more like the, the little girl and the bangs. And then if you notice, too, there's like a, a elderly lady behind her who has some like newspapers or something in his hand. But uh, here he comes to his bike and she steps back and it's all very it, it feels like a uh, like a double mint gum or juicy fruit commercial. I maybe like a juicy fruit. The taste is going to move you. And then they maybe they hand him the gum and he puts it in his mouth and rides his dirt bike down the road. This this one is way different than the rest. We've got a procedural in the beginning. We don't know what's going on. And then right in the middle of the net, we get like Hallmark Channel sort of thing going on here. I don't, Very mind. Interesting. I don't mind the way this movie completely floors my emotions from skyrocket to, to down low as deep as they can be. <laughs> uh, Mike goes to leave. His wife is stressed about the bank calling. Mike doesn't want to talk about it. His wife's like, well, we can wait till they throw us out of the house. Mm. Mike's annoyed. He's fixing his beat up old ass truck and out uh, uprides Travis on his bike. Travis is stoked. Mike is annoyed. He offers him a donut. Travis is a joker. He's just trying to have himself a good time. Perhaps too much of a good time. Travis wants to help Mike fix his motorcycle so they could both go out for a ride. Mike's annoyed. Travis pulls a drawing out of his pocket. This is our future M&T Motors. We're serving all of Navajo County. Through commercials like the guys in Phoenix, MT Motors, our prices are so great. Our, show, our showroom is almost always empty. Get it? MT. Travis, and the I, Joker, the dreamer. <laughs> He's the Joker, the dreamer. What he is not is an artist. I was going to ask you about that. That is an abysmal illustration. That is, it's like a little kid's room. Uh, that adds to kind of this where we go through this little area here of sort of weirdness and the the drawing and them dreaming to have this 
M&T Motors kind of plays into it. And then we make a couple other major shifts in the film. But yeah, this, uh, I don't know, Sean, can you draw? Are you able to draw? Uh, prob- I'd probably do the same job that Travis Walton did. Yeah, I, I like the idea to think that Travis took this uh, illustration in quotes schematic with him somewhere to like talk, like t- took it to the bank to get money for M&T Motors. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I want to see that scene. I want to see him headed to the bank to get an investment at M&T. And maybe the, the bank guy gives him the big thumb. Oh, Travis. And gives him the big thumbs up. It gives we him a Mentos. Yeah. Juicy yeah, they, fruit. Yeah. They give him a lollipop. You know, he's give the lollipops at the bank for the kids. So, yeah, he's a dreamer. Mike just wants to concentrate on finishing finishing the contract. The Forest Service won't extend the deadline. Travis is like, don't worry about it. But Mike has to because his mortgage is on the line. Travis doesn't seem to mind Mike's issue and jumps on his house because love awaits him. Mike's daughters are stoked to see Travis. He's making faces at him in the window because he's a jokester. He hops higher onto another floor and there's Mike's sister asleep in the window. Travis stares at her lovingly, gives her donuts, says he wants to marry her, tells her to think about it. Mike wants to go before he gets sick from this display of emotion. And this part I was confused at when I first saw it, Sean, because like that's I didn't realize that's his sister that's living with him. And I was like, oh, my God, is that that they have another kid? That's their other kid. Travis is hanging out with their other. Like she looks really young when you first see her kind of compared to the way he looks. And then you realize when she comes into the light, they're around the same age. But at first. And you know, I was like, what is go? This movie's really twisted. Wild family. We cut to the rest of the crew in the road. They're throwing rocks at a mailbox, blasting music from a jam box. They get picked up by Mike and Travis and hop in the truck. The young kid Greg is in the backseat reading the tabloids, laughing. Lady in Borneo gives birth to a litter of 13. All the guys laugh, but Dallas, because he's too much of a badass to laugh, and he just shoves the kid. So Travis tells Dallas to leave him alone. Dallas says, mine is business. And Travis is like, what if I make it my business? Dallas is like, is that what you want? And Dave, the church boy dude up front says, can you two not fight for one day? Dallas Mm. tells him to shut up. So already there's tons of beef. And these guys have only been working together for two weeks. Yeah. And this is like, have to all pile in the car together to head to work. Imagine, Sean, if we had to do this podcast, we had to like, pile in a car with a bunch of other people and drive out into the mountains to to do it i think like it's interesting i, I think we've both had different types of jobs and i can 100 percent picture this atmosphere at jobs that i've had in the past yeah for, for sure this this True. dynamic yeah yeah everybody just bitter or that one bitter asshole who kind of makes it bad for everybody else yeah 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 i'm that guy that's me <laughs> Is that you? No, I don't. Think I was so. gonna ask you who you were in the car. No, I, I like to think not. No, I like to think not. No, I don't think I. I don't was. know who are you in this group. You think? Uh, uh Travis Walton. <laughs> I, I, that was gonna be my guess. Like you're totally. I'm probably the first guy who said, "Let's get out of here." Whoever uh, that is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the dude with the cowboy hat in the back. I think so, yeah, but he's man. a troublemaker. I'm not a troublemaker, so maybe I'm the young kid. Well, maybe. no, the other there's the other guy. Dallas was a troublemaker. Uh, there's yeah, the other guy. he was all right. Yeah, That's he's so all right, funny. but yeah, definitely want to. Yeah, Dallas got the the other thing on the band, bandana or the head headband or something. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm definitely yeah. This is interesting dynamic. You are Travis. I could see that. 
Hey, man, what's this? Get in the truck. <laughs> nah, man. Come look. Come look. <laughs> All the men are revving their chainsaws. They're cutting trees down. They're dragging trees away. Teamwork. Team building exercises. Of course, Dallas cuts down a tree and drops five feet away from Travis, who jumps. Mm. The men look at each other, and Dallas whispers, Timber. Travis shakes his head at him. He's super annoyed. Mike screams for lunch. Dallas makes his way down to Travis, who's like, that wasn't too bright. Dallas lifts his chainsaw to Travis's face and revs it and says, sorry, I can't hear you. And Mike is oh. yelling for them to stop, and eventually they do. But these dudes literally want to murder one another. Calm down. What kind of work environment is this? This is an unsafe work environment. And also, these guys, this is not a big crew. They really do like this montage deal where they're just cutting like a million trees down and dragging all the bread. Like by lunch, there's there's I, I don't I don't know a lot about logging. I should have done some logging research, uh, you know, forestry research here. But it seems like that's an awful lot of work. It seems like they have, you know, dare I say, concerns about whether they can even finish this job because they don't seem to have the manpower for this job. They're all just cutting down trees and dragging stuff. And, and I, I don't know. It seems like that's, there's no other machinery. Like where does this stuff go? There's no, I wood you chipper. Know. Yeah. There's a, where's a wood chipper. Is there some sort of big crane thing to pick up a whole bunch of these trees at once? How, after they cut the trees down, they just keep, Cutting them into smaller pieces and rolling them or something? I don't know. I don't know. Pile them somewhere. Yeah, maybe somebody comes to pick them up at another time. Who knows? Yeah, somewhere the director of this film is going to hear this podcast and be like, this guy is obsessed with logging. I made, a, <laughs> I made this other film, and all he sees is this. But, yeah, I, I was uh, kind of mesmerized by the amount of work they were supposed to do and then later on sort of realized that it – it may play into other things. The boys take lunch. Travis sees Mike still working while the guys are eating lunch, and he sneaks up on him and tells him they need to go fishing, another camping trip where the contract is finished. Travis wants to chase bears, and Mike remembers Travis chasing a bear up a tree, and he just wanted to make friends because Travis mm. is a real jokester. Mike wants him to make friends with Dallas, and Travis says Dallas is just jealous. Travis can read and write. Mike says, you think I'm going to let a little flake like you marry my sister? And Travis says, a flake from Snowflake, poetic. Mm. Mike tells Travis he's a dreamer. He's not ready for marriage. And Travis says, not if I got to turn into you, Mike, and walks away. Oh, that's mean. That, that was, mean, nah, that was, I feel like, I, no, I feel like Mike was being like, uh, you're not miserable enough to be me it's yeah no i feel like mike kind of is a miserable bastard and uh i feel travis got the one up on him on that one uh camera yeah, cut. yeah that's what i think that's what i think <laughs> camera cuts back to the men at the bar mike's telling the story we went back to work and finished about dusk and water says the day was over and the five of you left the work site mike stops him and says six there was six of us and waters is like travis walton left with you of course Waters asked Dallas if he goes along with that story, and Dallas seems reluctantly to agree. He's acting very shady as if he doesn't want to be going along with this story. Waters says Dallas seems like he had a problem with Travis. What was the whole chainsaw incident? Dallas says he was just having some fun. Waters asked Dallas, what about the cut on his hand? And then something really weird happens. Mm -hmm. All the men at the table seem to look alerted. 
Dave, the church dude, is eyeballing the men and shaking his head. No, Mike looks really worried. Like, it seems they're keeping something from him. What happened? What are they hiding? It's so weird, depending on what side of the story you're looking at this from. Yeah, it doesn't. It's I mean, maybe I'm looking through it at 2024 eyes, but I feel like I would just come out and just tell the story if that's what happened if we all tell the story they could be a little bit different because it's different viewpoints but you got into some beef with somebody is there was there a fight or whatever i would include that i guess they think that there's no way people will believe their story at all so that's why they're skeptical but their skepticism is what causes everybody to really not believe it even more because they're making weird looks at each other and there's this cut and there's these other situations and they they said earlier oh we'll just stick to the story and why do you need to stick to the story if it's if that's the story yeah yeah i mean listen even if you and i have to tell the same story it's going to be different but the facts will be the same if we are both there one of us might exaggerate something or say a little bit different but if you know you've got these trained investigators if they get their facts certain things they need to hear they're going to believe you so they make this way worse by being super shady dallas says he got the cut on his hand earlier today waters asked if it was just from having a little fun and dallas is like yeah from having a little fun waters tells him you should be more careful sheriff tells him why don't you just tell waters what you saw or what you think you saw Dave says, Dallas saw it first. He goes, what about it? Sheriff says, what'd you see? What it look like? Dallas strikes a match for his cigarette and says, it looked like a fire. <laughs> Boom. We cut to Dallas in the car, striking his match for another cigarette on the way home from the job. It's late. Everyone's tired. Mike's yawning. Half the dudes are sleeping. Music is playing lightly off the jam box. Dallas looks off in the distance and says... What in the hell is that? <laughs> Guys look off in the distance and one comments, looks like the sunset. Camera shows us through the trees, a bright red light shining through the fog. Dave says that's east. The sunset behind us 20 minutes ago. They think it's a fire, maybe a plane crash in the woods. Mike is curious. What the hell is that? One of the guys in the back says, look, it's moving. And at first Dave's like, shut up. And then he's like, wait, is it? The guys think it's a monster forest fire. Dallas doesn't believe it's a fire. Now mm-hmm. everyone is awake. Another guy and, in the yep. And this is so cool. The the lights coming through the trees, and we, sh- you know, we'll get into the rest of the story and the validity of it. But there are other people that uh, report seeing lights in the sky at the same time in the same vicinity. So that that adds to this piece right here. But this is a pretty neat way they did this with this. I mean, it's super red light. It's not just a red haze. It's really red. It looks looks definitely like a metal album cover, like a maybe at the At the Gates album cover or something. Shout out to At the Gates. Hell yeah, getting a shout out on it. <laughs> um, and and the dude in the back seat notices what you just said, and he sees that red light, and he goes. That ain't no fire, man. He knows. Travis asks, what else could it be? The radio inside the car starts making weird noises and turns off. 
Travis looks in the sky as if he knows exactly what is going on now. The guys want to turn around, but not Travis. He begs Mike, I want to see what it is. Mike says there's only one road out. They're on it. If there's a fire, they can't get around it. They're spending the night out there. The guys drive right into the red light, and this eerie, haunting music is playing in the background. Mm -hmm. Travis screams, stop, Mike, stop the truck. Oh, my God. Before he even stops, Travis is out of the car. Everyone's freaking out. Travis has left the car and is approaching the red light. Everyone's screaming at Travis. Dave pulls Mike by the collar towards him to look out the door, and the red light is shining bright on all of them. Everyone is completely in shock. Travis continues walking to the middle of the field, and then the red light turns blue. Mm -hmm. The guys are freaking out. Travis looks up, and we see it. According to the story we're being told, mm -hmm. we see the large circular structure in the sky. It's glowing. Yeah. It's got like, it's kind of pulsing. It's got like veins. And there's like veins. It's, and we'll get a little more of that later, but it's a little Giger looking at this time, a little volcanic. Um, really interesting. Travis smiles and looks at Mike and yells uh, to him and laughs. But all the men are freaking out, and Dallas says to leave Travis there if he's going to act like an asshole. Travis looks up, and we see it. This crystal clear shot. The truck is in the corner. Little Travis is out in the field. And above him, this massive ship. It almost looks like a hat, but like upside down with this egg-shaped bottom with the glowing mm -hmm. red cracks and veins and this red mist surrounding the whole outside of the ship and there's it this looks like one of one of those what are those balls that the kids have or you would stand on the things on side of the ball and like i used them. to have that i forgot what it's called yeah i used <laughs> right to in and that. tell us yeah what's i gotta the, look that up i'll post it on the in madness socials what's the uh email address sean i always forget i tell her in madness pod at gmail.com at in madness pod on all the socials yeah tell us tell us if you would have gotten out of the truck, I want to see. Maybe we should do a poll for this to see how many people would have gotten out of that truck. I Sean's like that getting idea. out of the truck. I like. I mean, yeah, I, I, I have to. I think I, just, I get the world's first clear picture. For Christ's sake, is what I get. Mm. Uh, <laughs> while he's standing under the ship, there's this horrible, eerie, shrieking violins and strings. It's kind of like The Shining when it's like, like really tripped mm -hmm. out. All of a sudden, the ground begins shaking, and now, finally, Travis gets worried. The guys in the car close the door he ran out of. Travis looks worried at the bottom of the ship, and the red cracks begin molding and morphing. It looks like the inside of, like, a lava lamp. Mm -hmm. The guys are screaming, and Travis takes one step back towards the truck, and zap! A bright light shines directly on him, and he is frozen in place and facing the ship. Mm. His eyes are rolling back in his head. The men in the car are in shock. The light then lifts Travis and throws him back a few feet. Everyone is stunned. They all think he's dead. Dallas rolls up his window in fear. The guys are screaming, go, go. Travis is laying on the ground, and they're, like, yelling to Mike, he's dead. Oh. We see Travis on the floor. Smoke is coming out of his mouth. He's not moving. Mike refuses to leave. The men keep screaming, he's dead, go. But the panicking men get the best of Mike, who puts the car in gear and hauls ass the hell out of there, leaving Travis. And they leave 
listen, they're yelling he's dead and get out of there, but they leave so super fast that it, it feels like they're just leaving to protect themselves. They could care less if he actually is dead, but they know they have to yell he's dead so that he'll get the truck out of there. But they don't stick around at all to see if he's going to be like, hey, guys, that was crazy, you know? And the guys, guys, where'd you go? Like, I, I, I feel like them being so scared shitless of the ship like mm -hmm. them just freaking out like i don't i'm they didn't they they didn't want him to get out of the truck they didn't want any they just want like that was yeah that was a problem he created for his own stupid ass except sean if 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 this is you and i despite my history on this podcast i I would have stuck around a little bit longer to see if you were okay. Well, what if you thought the UFO was going to come kill you next? Oh, I'm in the truck. Apparently, the safety of the truck is fine. There's other guys in there. At least, like, thrown a rock at your head to see if you moved or <laughs> something. I don't know. <laughs> something from a distance. I appreciate I'll give you that. a few more no, seconds. Yeah, yeah we got to open up a V&S motors, right? Vertebrae, Sean motor so I, our I showroom is always empty because i don't know shit about cars <laughs> <laughs> yeah me neither <laughs> terrible idea <laughs> oh. so this scene now brings us back to the beginning of the movie when the truck was flying all over the road before we only saw the outside now we're inside the truck the men are screaming panicking freaking out travis is dead uh that it's this ship is going to come after them and kill them mike is screaming for everyone to get down stay down the guys are in the car ducking and screaming mike is hauling mm -hmm. ass out of there they're all freaking out by what they saw or what they claim they saw mike stops i the love truck. this sean i mean to cut you off but this is pretty cool how we're seeing what we saw in the beginning this is a a really neat uh storytelling device here where they're now seeing it from inside pretty cool i love it i love it mike stops a truck he can't believe they left travis he wants to go back everyone freaks out he tells him everyone tells everybody to get out he's going back for travis he'll pick them up later they're like what if you don't come back mike tells everyone get out he drives back for travis and leaves the men on the side of the road and briefly something slightly humorous happens in all this commotion standing there out in the dark in complete silence after all of this madness a bird makes a loud ass noise and it seems to scare the crap out of the hard ass dallas which is pretty funny this is me this is a mean move to just dump them in the woods and go back you don't know what's going on are there more ships are there aliens out of the ships running around this seems like you should have just stayed a little bit longer yeah he, he yeah, made up for his mistake he made up for his mistake yeah however we cut back to mike and the boys in the bar telling their story to waters mike is saying he searched the woods there was no sign of travis there was nothing because they took him mm. whoa and waters immediately like sheriff mooney and killer clowns killer clowns from outer space holy shit <laughs> Waters says, you expect me to believe that a flying saucer came down and took your friend away to outer space? Yes. <laughs> Dave, the church boy from the group, tells him that's the truth. That's exactly what happened. Waters is not buying it. According to your story, you never went back, so you don't know. The men say they didn't have to go. Mike says Travis wasn't there. He wasn't there. 
They then yell at the sheriff. You know us. Why are you letting this guy talk to us like this? The men are all annoyed. The cops think they're lying. They say they saw it. Waters tells him, you saw something. At least you thought you did. Waters leans into young Greg and asks him, what did you see? Young Greg is all shook up and very unconvincingly tells him, ah, I saw the same as they saw. <laughs> Everyone is super hard to read. You want to believe them. But even though you just saw this happen, there is this shadow of doubt that maybe they're lying, even though I do want to believe them. Mm -hmm. Waters isn't buying it from anybody. Dallas is over it. He wants to leave. Waters says, you're real tore up about your friend. Dallas says they weren't friends. Waters says, clearly. He goes to leave. The sheriff doesn't want anyone going without names and phone numbers and addresses. Mike asks, aren't you going to look for him? Smart ass Waters. He's not there, remember? They took him. Mm. He's looking at Mike like, don't you believe your own story? They say it's too late to look for him now. Not enough men. They'll search in the morning. Leave the men in the bar alone. And another shady conversation happens. They get mad at Dallas for acting like an ass. And he mm -hmm. says, I told you they wouldn't believe your damn story. Oh, and he says your story, too, which is interesting. Yeah. Also, it really stinks, right? Your friend gets lost in the woods and then the cops are like, well, check tomorrow. It's nighttime. We'll go, you know, we'll hit up the diner in the more local diner, have a good breakfast, and then we'll get everybody together and we'll head out. You know, don't worry I, about it. I we'll want to eat at that diner. You know the food at that diner is just banging. Yeah, yeah, except everybody in there knows everything about you, and they're all judging you as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you come in in that small town. But I'm sure it's great. Maybe I'd get it to go. Yeah, you know, yeah. But yeah, I'd yeah. sit there and be judged. But, uh, yeah, that stinks to be you know missing and then they're just they're, there's not bad weather or anything so they just we don't have enough guys we're just we'll give it a shot tomorrow and don't they don't they like do that with like missing persons you have to wait like 48 hours before they're actually even declared missing or something i don't know why i know that too many true crime documentaries yeah i would think so i i, I think that's what it is i think it is 24 or 48 hours but i think that would depend on the person and the age of the person and and maybe other circumstances around it. Um, if if also too, if they're getting reports of other people, I wonder if they got reports of other people seeing this light at at that point or after the fact. And I didn't I didn't look into that, but I'm curious if they because if you're getting it at that point, maybe word is kind of spreading. You know, I, I, although I don't know if you handle it any differently because nobody's going to want to believe that it was aliens, that, that it's a spaceship. Nobody. Outside, the sheriff and Waters are looking at this beat up truck Mike was driving. Sheriff tells Waters, sun's up 6 a.m. He's got men, jeeps, horses, dogs, helicopters, everybody ready to search. Waters is looking in the car and says, my hunch tomorrow we'll find Travis Walton. I'd be surprised if we found him in one piece, though. And then this part is funny to me because Waters asks him if there's any hotels in Snowflake. And then this is when he says Snowflake. And I'm like, this is where he said Snowflake and Ace Ventura. It's the same guy saying the same lines. It's hilarious. <laughs> Waters reaches in the truck, pulls out the tabloid that young Greg was reading and says to the sheriff, you still have to wonder how those boys came up with such a crazy story. Back on Earth, we're dealing with a murder, plain and simple, and he hands Sheriff the tabloid newspaper. He looks at it, and on the cover, there's actually three interesting stories. Do you know the three stories? Oh, no, I didn't write them down. I was more kind of drawn into the fact that the tabloid has a role kind of in 
we'll get to it in the part two of this um leading into this what were the stories man marries duck okay how mayonnaise can improve your sex life oh my and finally nebraska man kidnapped by aliens ah suspicion is afoot yeah sheriff looks back at the bar to the boys thinking maybe he shouldn't trust them perhaps it's late. Mike pulls up to his house, sees Travis's motorcycle there. He holds on to it, seems sad. He goes into his house. It's on the radio. His sister and wife are listening. It's all over the radio. They're making it out to be a big joke. Mike says, it's no joke. His sister says, you left him there? He says, he didn't know where he was. Uh, he, she asks what he means. How could you just leave him there? His wife says, the radio said something about outer space. Mm. Mike says, I didn't just leave him. Uh, tells her there was something out there. The men are conf- uh, the women are confused. Mike says they're sending a search party tomorrow. His sister crying just keeps asking, "Where's Travis?" And he tells her it's going to be okay. And you know who's also sad? It's probably the girl who gives Travis the donuts every morning. The- I was right? wondering, is that Travis's side piece or something? Like, why is she giving <laughs> him free donuts? Like that next morning, she's just like getting donuts ready in the shop, all sad, you know, because she knows she won't be able to just stand out front and hand him the bag as he zooms zooms by on his motorcycle, you know. Everyone (laughs) called him Travis, but I called him Zooms. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm sorry. Something again really shady happens. We cut to the church and there's Dave, the church guy from the logging crew saying, my father in heaven, I humbly bow before you. I ask your spirit to be with me. Forgive us, father, for what we've done. Mm. And then the camera cuts. What the hell was that? What did you do? Did you kill Travis Walden? Are you making this shit up? Why is everyone so shady in this movie? And I wondered when I saw that if he was for Yes, for what they've done, if they've done something to Travis, but also they left Travis. So, you know, what have I done? I left him there to be abducted, and now he's completely missing. Also, to that stained glass window, you see, you know, I think it's Jesus or something uh, uh, looking up into like a shaft of light in the sky. So it's very much like that scene earlier in the film, which is which is pretty cool interesting we cut to the choppers flying through the sky searching for travis loads of people dogs on the hunt where is travis walton waters is now with mike dave young greg at the spot where they left travis waters is already annoyed where did it happen the guys think it happened in one spot other guys think it happened in another spot they seem confused which makes them look shady Mm -hmm. waters is getting pissed off they can't keep their story straight up walks Travis's brother. Dude is pissed that his bro is missing. He wants mm-hmm. to know what these guys did to him. Everybody thinks these guys killed Travis Walton. Yeah, because he's, you know, we might have like an Ephraim Winslow situation up north with the logging. So that's what they're they're wondering if something happened. I imagine there is kind of a lot of these mysterious happenings with the uh, log logging incidents i would think right or are they lumberjacks i keep saying logging i think they're lumberjacks are they lumberjacks i'd sure i'll call them lumberjacks i mean there's a lot of flannel in this movie so i'm gonna say maybe they are lumberjacks yeah lumberjacks i guess or logging i don't know but somebody tell us which one it is i'm not an expert on either of them 
His brother wants to know about Dallas. He did some checking. Dallas has a criminal record, assault with a deadly weapon. He tells Mike, if anything happened to Travis, he's holding Mike responsible. Mm. The search continues. One of the crew guys is pissed. He's walking with Dave saying, I came out here to make money. Now I might go to prison. And again, super shady. Dave says, maybe it's God's way of punishing us. Even if you don't believe in him, you know the difference between right and wrong. We all do. We got no excuses. Mm. Punishing Very you shady. for what? Why? Excuses for what? Are you lying? Did you kill him? What did you do? Yeah, we got bootleg Indiana Jones throwing us on a wild goose chase right now. They briefly see a man watching them and nervously walk away. Dave tells his buddy the Apache reservation is close by and that the cops start yelling that they found something. Mm -hmm. Dogs are barking. Dudes are digging. Everyone's surrounding them. Cops are asking, I wonder what they'll find. Got any ideas? Like, do you want to confess now or after we totally bust your ass? The men digging say, we got something. People around him are like, is it Walton? I knew it. They killed him already. Mm. What a town. They pull bones out of the ground. Sheriff says, stop digging. It's not human. Some hunter buried his dog. Everyone seems bummed because they were all hoping it was the dead body of Travis Walton. Yeah. Bastards. Cut back to Mike at home. Dude. Also, just Sean, before you get there, there's even before he tells him that it's a dog. There's no way that's Travis Walton because it was only the day before. He's maybe be maybe they, they dipped him in acid, you know. Ah, oh, that's a lot of work. Yeah, I don't know if they have access to that, but he's just old rot. It's old rotten bones. I I think this would have been neat if, and I guess it's based off a true story, so it can't happen. But if I was writing this, I think it would be bones of perhaps another victim from these alien it really would have thrown them then you could have gotten one of those scenes where they're inspecting the bones and find out that uh it's a missing person from a long time ago and adds a little spice to the situation but i like that i can't do that because it's a true story so it's based on a true story we cut back to mike at home he is stressed his wife walks in and says some guy from ali called today they're taking you off the contract and hiring a whole new crew woof bad Mm. news Mike doesn't seem shocked. His wife gets mad, wants to know what they're going to do for money, and annoyed Mike's like, he'll figure it out. My best friend disappears, and all you could think about is money. Mm. His wife gets pissed and says, I'll tell you something else. People in this town are saying horrible things about you. Mike doesn't care, but his wife does because of their kids. She tells him he should care, too. She asks what their daughters will say when people say her dad is a murderer. Mm. Mike asks what his wife thinks. She hesitates, but then says, no, of course not. She just wants the truth about what happened. Mike says he told her the truth. He asks if she believes him, and she begins crying because she 100% does not believe him. Yeah, and it's hard to take, uh, you know, it's hard to take him seriously, too, with that uh, brawny paper towel man look that he, <laughs> <laughs> that, that he has, too. Is it brawny? Yeah, I think it's brawny paper towels, but yeah it's uh the these scenes are kind of the roughest scenes to to get through because they they feel this is this gets very made for tv very like hallmarky kind of at these points i think for my liking i think i would have liked a little more investigation part in place of this a little more james garner at times uh but i I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to build these relationships and 
and get into his life and um everyone is a suspect in a lot of ways so yep he heads to a hotel the man at the desk tells him the words out mike says what word he's been getting calls all day from here to timbuktu i'm all booked up as of tomorrow who's calling reporters sightseers ufo buffs and the like he asks Mike what's really going on. Mike says, can you keep a secret? And we think maybe for a second Mike is going to fess up and tell us what happened. Mm-hmm. And Mike says, don't tell anyone I'm here. Great. Mm-hmm. Cut to the next morning and clearly desk guy didn't do his job because there's TMZ and action news and everybody asking Mike about what the hell happened to Travis Walton. But he doesn't want anything to do with anybody. <laughs> Mike and Dave pulled the truck into town. Everyone immediately begins popping out of stores and staring. I think it's him. They're saying they've become celebrities, celebrity murderers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And they're approached by Jarvis Powell from AFAR, A-F-A-R. They have had lots of experience in these matters. I think we can help each other out. Mike just stares at him angrily, and he tells Mike, just want to let you know there are those of us out there who know the truth. And he hands him a card. Says afar, American Foundation for Aerial Research. All right, and but but here's the thing: he doesn't have anything to offer them. No. He's just trying to further on his his own cause and write some books about it and collect and urine samples, make some money. But he he doesn't. They're not looking to help them at all, nor can they do anything, or is anyone taking them seriously? So, yeah, it's just another sort of vultures have come out in, in this situation and quickly I, I would say i don't know sean how many days how many days have passed so far i would say probably two yeah yeah he says please call if we could help the guys continue their walk they head into a restaurant it's lively people are laughing talking they see mike and dave and the whole place becomes silent everyone is staring at them calling them sickos saying they're lying those boys know more than they're telling One dude at the diner counter is giving them the look of death. They sit at a table with their buddies, everyone except Dallas. Dave asks what Buck Morton, the guy at the counter, keeps looking at. They tell him he keeps looking over there, staring. The town's gone nuts. Everything is crazy. Police are going to look for Travis again. Mike says, well, they won't find anything. And another guy says, Waters comes by at 6 a.m., starts asking questions. He's all over us. They say if... He says, if we confess, he's going to try and help us out. And Mike's like, confess? What mm. the hell is going on around here? Confess <laughs> to what? And this is one of two, and there'll be a scene later on where I just got to ask, why? Why would you, with all this going on, why do you guys gather at this diner for breakfast? Grab some donuts from the girl who would give them to Travis or something but and go somewhere else. But... This is clearly the center of the town, the main street of the town, the diner that everyone goes into. And that's all anyone's talking about. Like they, these pancakes must be incredible. They're right. This must be a really good breakfast to want to go in and, and deal with this This is the last thing I'd want to deal with as you're trying to navigate this situation. I I don't know. Would you have gone for breakfast at a diner? No. Well, what I think is I, I think they just, want to believe that everyone believes their story even though they know everyone and they're just trying to get on with their normal life and being like we're just gonna go shopping today and you know see what happens and nobody better say nothing to me or else i'm gonna tell them what's what and 
uh yeah i feel like the, and the town's so small yeah they probably just like we're just gonna go here and see what happens but uh me no i would have been i would have been grabbing donuts or having a bowl of uh frosted mini wheats yeah just stay home for breakfast that day that's fine over stumbles angry buck morton you boys got something you want to say to me they yell at him they go back to his table he wants to step outside dave gets annoyed and calls him a fat piece of shit a fight almost <laughs> breaks out but in walks sheriff and lieutenant waters to calm the situation sheriff lays it on the line he approaches the guys and says this isn't personal but where's your friend mike says which one the one with the attitude if you mean Dallas, I don't know. They want the guys to take a lie detector test. If you tell them the truth, it'll strengthen your case. Mike tells them they'll think about it. Waters wants to talk to Mike outside. He says, young Greg told the truth about the cut on Dallas's hand. He had an altercation with Travis the day of the disappearance. Mike looks worried and goes, yeah, I guess. Waters tells Mike he doesn't think he killed his friend. He just doesn't understand why he's covering it up. And then he walks away. Mm-hmm. Dave walks out to Mike and tells him they're going to go find Dallas. Dave's like, I thought you didn't know where he was. And Mike says, I lied. Whole lot of lying going on. They show up at Dallas trailer park. He's playing poker. He leaves the table to speak with Mike and Dave. Dallas tells the boys he heard about what's happening in town. And then really shady tells him, I told you that story wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. What are you all hiding? The guys tell Dallas the cops are looking for him. They don't. They know about his criminal record. They know about how uh, he hurt his hand. Mike says they want us to take a lie detector test, and we want to know what you thought. Why do they want to know what he thinks about it? Is it because he's a known criminal, and they know if he's ever taken a lie detector t- t- test before, and how he might be able to get around something like that? Mm-hmm. He tells them the lie detector tests are dangerous. The machine says you lied. Even if you told the truth, you lied. Mike says it might clear us. Dallas says it might clear you. They don't need a body to press murder charges. They're never going to find Travis. The pressure is going to be on police to solve the case. And who do you think they're going to zero in on? The choir board boy, Dave, the pillar of the community, Mike? No. How long do you decide to save your ass and point the finger at Dallas? Mike says if we take the test, we all take it. The boys break into a scuffle and then they just tell Dallas to be there. Yeah, this this scene is we could have gotten we, we could have gotten through this scene much, much quicker than we did. This is where it really starts to drag for me. And then I was, you know, it gets saved soon enough. But uh, yeah, it's this seems like a really long scene of them just kind of going back and forth. And I don't have much of an investment in, in any of them yet. I think we have the most investment in Travis of all of all the characters. But, um, yeah, this is, uh, and then, but you do get, you get that fantastic, uh, Patrick hair blowing in the breeze in this scene a little bit. So you got, you got that going on at least. We cut back to the news. The story has drawn international tension and controversy surrounding Walton's disappearance has reached a boiling point. Travis brother is there watching the news. He's decided he's had enough. He's going down there. The TV says in the four days, Walton has been missing. People from all over the world have been arriving at Snowflake and the locals are not stoked about it. Hmm. They throw the news reporter who's in the White Mountains where the guys were cutting down trees saying Apache legends tell of evil spirits which frequented this place dropping down from the sky to kidnap children. 
-hmm. the five men in question have still not spoken to the press. Law enforcement are desperately trying to get to the bottom of this. It's been four days since Travis Walton disappeared without a trace, and the case is attracting major international attention. We see angry Buck Morton watching the news saying, if the law can't get the boys to talk, I know someone who damn well can. Mm. We see Mike's hotel overrun, overrun with reporters from Japan all over the world. Mike is in his room watching the broadcast, asking what really did happen that night. Where is Travis Walton? The town has called a meeting tonight after church to discuss these very questions, but local investigators do believe they are dealing with a homicide. And Mike angrily turns off the TV. And Sean, I've never sure. attended a town meeting. They do them a lot in The Simpsons. And and this yes, and in Parks and Rec, this feels like some something from Parks and Rec, but um and but there is that town meeting at the beginning of um the witch that we get where they all get together too and kind of kick everything off. But uh, if this was what happened, I would attend this town meeting. This one, this one, I would go to. Oh, the alien one. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one you're going to, right? Like you know, maybe the other ones if you know like you know somebody in town who bakes the good cookies brought them to that town you know because there's somebody replying bringing refreshments and stuff so maybe you go maybe you just go for the refreshments but this one i'm i'm attending the you know sean was picked up by a spaceship meeting in town i feel like you know you know how like in a courtroom they have the the person who does the art of that like they show on the news and there's like yeah yeah i feel like that'd be you at the at the at the town meeting like take it like drawing the people except i just draw everyone like aliens you're all aliens you're all guilty uh (laughs) yeah town meetings but i bet you they do have good refreshments there right don't you think they have I would imagine like fruit punch and water. Yeah. You know, in a town like that in the seventies, it probably can't be that great. You know, what's funny is I was, uh, we'll, we'll go off on a little tangent, but were you ever in the boy Scouts or the cub Scouts? Never. All right. So I I decided when I was young that I was going to try out the cub Scouts and, uh, and this could tell you how long ago it is there. My parents like, yeah, go. So I just like, went to this meeting on my own like walked to some other school on my own and and they give you the little booklet and they're going to teach you how to tie all these knots and do all of this stuff but they had they had cookies there but they had like bootleg oreo cookies like like not even like hydrox like something else like you know third rate brand of oreo and i remember i came home and my parents asked me, like, oh, you want to keep going to Cub Scouts? And I was like, no, the cookies were no good. And they just looked at me so disappointed. But that was like, that was it. I never went back again. I got their little booklet, and uh, I never gave it back. And I, somewhere, I probably have it somewhere, right? They learn how to tie the knots and stuff. But but who knows, Sean, if, I, if they would have had real Oreos, maybe I would have been a bonafide Cub Scout by now. Maybe. But, yeah, this town meeting was probably Kool-Aid coffee in the big vat in the styrofoam cups cigarettes for the kids (laughs) yeah everyone gets a cigarette yeah it's the 70s yeah (laughs) there's been an abduction yeah everyone get a cigarette
Cut to the whole town gathered in mass in this church. They've searched the woods for days. The town's getting a bad name. Kids are scared about UFOs. All the strangers and out-of-towners are wandering around asking questions. They want the sheriff to do something. The sheriff says they're working on it. They want to get back to normal. He says they asked the men to take a lie detector test. They refused. Man angrily screams, what good will that do anyhow? If there's been foul play, we need to know that our town is safe to live in. Why haven't you made any arrests? Sheriff says there's no evidence a crime has even been committed. And another man says everyone's got a pretty good idea of what's really happened, but out pops Mike, who's been standing angrily in the back and says, hold on. And the whole church turns around to look at him and he angrily asks everyone, are you saying I killed Travis Walton? You really disappoint me. I went to high school with you. My kids go to school with your kids. And he starts calling people out by name and everyone just quickly looks away. I'm so confused by this. So he stayed in a hotel right across from the church to stay away from his family but then he goes to the town meeting just just a weird move i think that's probably the last place maybe he was going for the cookies maybe i don't know but like i don't know i don't know if i'd show up there but this this is all very this is this gets a little more after school specialist where he happens to be there and hey, you talking about me? Our kids play together, right? Like I just see it, you know. I grew up with you. You're my geometry teacher, you know. And there's people just kind of looking at him, like disapproving. Um, if this was the witch, this is when he would be banished out into the woods by himself. I cannot be judged by false Christians. <laughs> Mike says he misses Travis just like everyone else. He can't help what happened. He can't change what he saw. He wishes he had Travis back, wishes he knew Travis was okay, but that's out of his hands. And so is what everyone thinks about him. We've been telling the truth since the beginning. Now we're ready to prove it. We'll take your lie detector test. If you got anything to say about me or my crew, say it now to my face and go figure. No one says shit. Mike walks out angrily and gives Waters a long, hard look. Hmm. The next day, Mike pulls his beat ass up truck into the police station for the lie detector test. The press are outside asking if he killed Travis, if he really saw a UFO. They meet the man conducting the test. He came all the way from Phoenix to make sure the test goes well. The men are doubtful. The whole town wants to see them fall. They don't trust the lie detector guy or anybody involved, but the sheriff and Lieutenant Waters insist they can trust the guy. They mm -hmm. still don't, but Mike trusts the sheriff and only the sheriff since they go way back. The men shake on it that the test will be fair they head in and they take the test and and there's a thing about this test in the book and in the reality of this where they do pass this lie detector test but it's the questions were very limited that they asked them so they, they didn't really dive deep um in, with with the test at this time so if they just ask did travis walton go missing did you kill him and they say, yes, he went missing. And no, I didn't kill him. That, you know, you're not, you're just getting that they told the truth on that, but you're not getting the, the in-between stuff. They're asked their name, their place of birth, their marital status. Did you see a light above the trees? Do you see an object hovering? Was it saucer shaped? Did Travis approach the object? Did you see blue green lights surrounding him? Do you believe Travis was killed? However, Dallas seems to be having a hard time answering the questions. They're asking him if he disliked Travis. He becomes angered. He says yes. He says no. The gentleman giving the test seems annoyed. They continue asking the other men, are you withholding any info? Was the disappearance of Travis Walton? Did you create this incident to get out of 
of your logging contract? Did you mm. or any of your crew murder Travis? We see the gentleman administering the test take off his glasses. He looks almost confused as to the results of the test. Mm. And, you know, I don't know how you would do in a lie detector test, but like, I think I'd be so nervous that I would just get everything wrong. Like, I would just, it would be. You have a podcast and show the butcher. No, 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 no. Never heard of them. I don't know what it is. The needles just jumping off the paper all over the place. The guy's making his little, he can't even make those notations quick enough. <laughs> He's yeah. knocking his pen all over the place. Yeah, yeah. The men are out in the hall waiting. Sheriff and Lieutenant Waters walk out of the room to tell the guys the results of one of the tests was unusual, inconclusive. We'll have to try again tomorrow, but Mike is done with it. What about the other test? The man administering the test says, we never discuss the testing until they're all complete. Sheriff says, sorry, we'll try it again tomorrow. And Mike's like, no, we did what we said we'd do. We let, uh, we let you test us, but we've had enough. Waters says, so you're no longer willing to cooperate. Mike says, all we've done is cooperate and all we get back is grief. He's sick of this shit. He tells him if they want to press charges, do it now. We told you everything we know and that's all there is. The men angrily leave. The man Man doing the test tells sheriff that Dallas test was all messed up. He was either high or scared, but the test is unreadable. But the other four are pretty much all the same. We see Waters listening to the men talking. The guy says, if you ask me, those boys are telling the truth. Mm. Whoa. Mm. Waters seems annoyed and doubtful. Cut to Mike's house. Static is on TV. Like poltergeist. Yeah. Mike's kids are asleep on the couch. It's pouring outside. Mike is just sitting there watching the static like Carol Ann. His wife walks in and sees this and asks if he plans on spending the night. He says yes and asks if it's going to be a problem. She says, do whatever you want. Phone rings and his wife picks it up and says, whoever this is, whoever's doing this, it's not funny and slams the phone down. She says, another prank call. We've been getting them two or three a day. Now we're getting him all hours of the night. Phone rings again. She sighs, completely miserable. Mike gets up off the couch, says, I'll get it. Picks up the phone and says, who is this? Lady comes on the phone and says, I have a collect call from Travis Walton. Will you accept the charges? Mm. His wife goes to hang up the phone, but he grabs her hand to stop it. Mike accepts the charges. Which my friends brings me to my, I don't know about yours, but this is my milking of the alpacas moment. Ah, now mine is later than this. Okay. Yeah. On the, Cause this still blows my mind till this day on the other line, his voice is trembling and hoarse and we hear him, Travis Walton. And he says, Mike, Mike says, Travis. And Travis says, help me mm. whoa chill it's crazy <laughs> that bugged me out the first time i saw this movie and it bugs me out till this day he is alive mm. what's going on <laughs> well my friends oh you'll find out what the hell's going on next week <laughs> oh man for the thrilling and disturbing, traumatic, life-altering conclusion of In Madness Pod, episode 24, part two, one of the most fucked up movies I've ever seen in my life. 
fire in the sky. Yeah, here it is. Uh, hit the socials uh, in Madness Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook threads. Hit us in the mail sack in Madness Pod at gmail.com. Subscribe to the YouTube, smash that five star review on every platform. Subscribe to the In Madness Spotify playlist. Spread the madness worldwide. Tell your friends, Vertebrae, what do you think about part one of episode 24 in Madness Pod Fire in the Sky? Ooh, man. We've. <laughs> We've got some nuggets in there. We've got, uh, you know, some hair that's been washed with Prell, I think, blown in the breeze. There's an old reference for you. We've got motorcycle riding. We've got weirdness. We've got an investigation, possible cover-up, um, a lie detector test, and crazy town hall meeting. So we are about to hit my favorite parts and probably most people's favorite parts <sighs> Of this film, the most intense part. The second part of this will be much more intense than the first part. You have a week to mentally prepare yourself for what we're going to slap you in the face with next week. Yeah, but I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, you can follow me, Vertebrae33. You can go to my store. I have shirts at All Hot Topics right now. Check it out, Vertebrae33 at All Hot Topic stores and online. And follow me, reach out, and tell me how much you love the first half of this movie and how much of an idiot I am. Uh, we'll see you next week for part two yeah episode 24 in madness pod